Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the leader of the Bloc Québécois says anyone looking to create an oil state in Western Canada won't get any support from his party. If they were attempting to create a green state in Western Canada, I might be tempted to help them. If they are trying to create an oil state in Western Canada, they cannot expect any help from us. The NDP's support of the throne speech is not guaranteed. We're absolutely open to voting against the throne speech if it doesn't include some of the priorities that uh, we know that Canadians need. And Justin Trudeau offers his own version of events from his meeting with Saskatchewan's Premier. He opened the door somewhat to improvements to Bill C-69, the, the Impact Assessment Act. He suggested that uh, the could come up with amendments to it. You know, he pretty much said this was written in stone as, as, as legislation. It's Thursday, November 14th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. So the Prime Minister has been meeting with the leaders of the opposition parties over the past few days, and yesterday it was Yves-Francois Blanchet, the leader of the Bloc Québécois. Today it's Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader. Uh, I thought it was interesting yesterday to see the tone that Blanchet was taking, which is uh, he doesn't really have that much sympathy for the Western provinces that are now hinting at separation or within which there are some people hinting at separation. And he was even kind of verbally sparring with Jason Kenney afterwards. Uh, what did you make of the meeting that he had with the prime minister and some of what he said afterwards? I think that the bloc are going to be Dancing, good dancing partners for this for this government. I mean, I think that they are as strong as they're likely to be. They do not want another election. So why create controversy with with uh, with Ottawa if none needs to exist? I mean, it seems to me that anybody who was hoping for 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 the NDP, for example, we can talk about that later. But um, you know, they they feel that they, they have some leverage. I don't think they've got very much leverage at all because I think Blanchette has indicated that he is going to, unless there's something iniquitous to Quebec, he is quite happy to see this government run and run. And one signal of that was that he did not sympathise with the um, with the, uh, the the problems that are happening out west. Any any suggestions of that uh, the the situation in the west and that in Quebec were analogous and that that his separatist sympathies might uh, flow west, were uh, were shot down pretty quickly. I mean, he talked about um, uh, if they were attempting to create a green state in western Canada, I might be tempted to help them. If they're trying to create an oil state, they cannot expect any help from us. So it was uh, it was pretty much all good news for Justin Trudeau. Yeah, except for the fact, I guess, that it, there's one region of the country that's sort of pitting itself against another and that uh, that there, clearly uh, Alberta is talking about this in the context of of Quebec and Quebec is talking about this in the context of the Western Canadian provinces. And and uh, that's the fear that a lot of people had with regard to national unity after the election results. Right. For sure. And, you know, Justin Trudeau has a very real problem in his hands that he's going to have to that he's going to have to handle. But at the same time, his first concern is, how do I get my legislative agenda through the House of Commons? How do I get my speech from the throne through the House of Commons, presuming that he puts it before the House? How do I get my budget through? He needs dance partners. And I think the bloc indicated that they were willing to, uh, they are willing to dance. Um, the one red flag that Blanchette put up there was with a pipeline. Uh, Trudeau obviously needs to to promote the pipeline to uh, 
to the West. Um, but he doesn't necessarily need to do that in a legislative fashion. I don't think that, that really the pipeline doesn't have to go anywhere near the House of Commons. So that need not be a, a barrier to doing business with Blanchette, I don't think. What about the arguments that are being made by Jason Kenney and Yves-Francois Blanchette uh, and over equalization payments, over shares in energy uh, uh, revenues and, and the benefits of Alberta's uh, a prosperous economy over previous years. Uh, is that all rhetoric, or are there some practical uh, arguments to be made there? Well, the point made by Kenny in his speech yesterday was that um, how can you... You can't have your cake and eat it too, he said. Pick a lane. You could, as Quebec, you can um, take the, the energy and equalization resources that come from Western Canada, or or you can't. And, um, you know, he has a point. He has a point to some extent. It's, but as Blanchette said, it's not like the government of Alberta writes checks for Quebec. This is a federal program, the equalization program, that Albertans pay to the federal government. The federal government redistributes the areas of the country that are below that uh, national income level to make sure that all parts of the country are able to deliver relatively equal services. Um, you know, we can get into a debate, you know, we can we can chat later, because I know we're going to talk about Scott Moe, but I think that, that was one of the issues that he raised as well. Um, the federal government's point of view, which Trudeau said to Moe, which is very uh, sly and slick, I think, is that, uh, well, if the premiers want to get together and come up with a new formula, then we're open to discussing a new equalisation formula. Well, the problem with that, obviously, is that it's, it's a zero-sum game. And the premiers will never agree because if somebody's going to be better off, if the formula is rejigged to make to make sure that uh, uh, the, the, the national income level comes down somewhat, so that Alberta is better off, Saskatchewan is better off, Newfoundland and Labrador is better off, then somebody's going to be worse off, yeah. and most likely it's going to be Quebec. So let's talk about Scott Moe. We heard his version of events the other day after the meeting with Prime Minister Trudeau. Yesterday, Trudeau offered his side of the story, and it was a little bit different. So uh, what's your sense of what actually took place in that meeting and and what the the different perspectives say about the relationship between the federal government and Saskatchewan? Well, I think that that is one of the big points, the, the point of equalization, that... that uh, while it sounds quite reasonable to say what Trudeau said, when you look at it more closely, you realise it's a, it's really the federal government just trying to wash its hands of this thing. Now, I think on equalisation, Trudeau could make some moves here. Apparently, he's been briefed on this subject, and um, you know he reminded Mo that the formula was set up by the Harper government and cabinet, which, now inc- which included Jason Kenney, um, he suggested that, that the Council of the Federation, this group of premiers, could use its position to try and build consensus on changes. Well, that's a bit of a non-starter, which I think explains Moe's uh, frustration. But the current formula runs out in about three years, I think, 2023. And I would have thought it would have been a smart idea for... for Trudeau to appoint a, a panel of eminent Canadians to look at this formula, say, does it need to be rejigged? You know, he's not wed to the current formula. It wasn't his government that came up with it, although they did extend it. I think that there, there, there would be a way to to take another look at this. 
I mean, many critics, for example, point out that, that neither Quebec nor Manitoba pay the, get the, have the full market rate evaluated on their hydroelectricity. Um, that's an area that that could be looked at. Uh, it would obviously be to, to the detriment of both of those provinces. But the, this, the, the arrangement as it exists is not foolproof. And I think that uh, that Trudeau could do himself a lot of good in the West by just saying, look, we're, we're going to rejig this by 2023. Uh, as to the meeting with Mo, there were areas that were, that were um, of equal uh, common ground, I guess you could say. Uh, one of which was obviously the pipeline. When I mean, he reiterated that the pipeline is going to go ahead, the other one that intrigued me slightly was that he said he opened the door somewhat to improvements to Bill C sixty nine, the, the Impact Assessment Act. He suggested that uh, that Mo could come up with amendments to it, which uh, strikes me as as new because I don't think he'd. Uh, you know, he pretty much said this was written in stone as 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 legislation. They, they they obviously wouldn't take many of the Senate amendments. So the fact that this thing is on the table, I guess, is a, a little bit of a, an olive branch. And he also reinforced the fact that there are big energy projects that are running through Saskatchewan that are coming to completion soon, including the Line 3 replacement, Enbridge's Line 3, which is a big pipeline, $5.3 billion pipeline. And nobody much talks about it. Everyone that did go through... Uh, as part of uh, the Trudeau agenda, when he okayed the uh, Trans Mountain, and it's uh, it's actually going to come on stream this expansion. All right, let's uh, talk a little more about the meeting with Jagmeet Singh today, because as you have pointed out, uh, the the common ground with the leader of the Bloc Québécois suggests that Justin Trudeau doesn't need Jagmeet Singh, and Jagmeet Singh is already saying, well, there's no guarantee we're going to support the throne speech. Justin Trudeau's reaction might be, well, we don't need you to, right? I think I think that's exactly right, and I think Singh has overplayed his hand and reinforced this impression we had before the election that that sometimes he's just not that astute. Um, you know, I think he's a he campaigned. He was fabulous in the campaign, and he was a breath of fresh air. He he, he spoke off the cuff. He wasn't dictated by talking points. But these kind of decisions about. Um, power politics, he seems to get wrong time and time again. And, and you know, we're not going to support the throne speech unless the Liberals do X, Y, and Z, um, mainly the National Farmer Care Programme. Uh, or he wants to see the Liberals being open to this public dental coverage. Well, I don't think that uh, he's going to get much joy in those things. I mean, the Farmer Care thing, the Liberals will... will mention, I guess, but, but I don't think they're going to give exactly what Singh wants. Um, he's also trying to push Trudeau to, to drop the legal challenge on this kind of human rights tribunal ruling on uh, compensation for Indigenous children who are placed in foster care. I, he may have some more, more joy on that. It was a surprise to me that the Liberals decided to appeal that um, in the middle of an election campaign. But the, the NDP, the, the bottom line is the NDP are not going to be in a strong position if the uh, if the Liberals can come to an accord with the Bloc. And I think on any number of measures, they can come to an accord with the Bloc. And the other thing is, Trudeau knows that Singh cannot afford to go back to the polls. I mean, this is a, a part of it mortgaged. It's one major asset, the, the building, that, the Jack Layton building in Ottawa, so they can afford to fight an election. Having done that, it's not in a position to remortgage it and fight another campaign. So it's all crying wolf. Trudeau knows that. 
Singh has overplayed his hand, and I think he is not going to be the dance partner that uh, on on this occasion. And that's presuming that Trudeau wants to put his speech to the throne to to Parliament. He doesn't have to, and, he, and in the past, the Conservatives didn't. All right, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark, thanks a lot. That's John Iveson of the National Post. If there were a damn thing to create a green state in Western Canada, I might be tempted to help them. If they are trying to create an oil state in Western Canada, they cannot expect any help from us. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Montreal Gazette, Richard Janda offers a Quebecer's letter to his Western cousins. Janda writes... We in Quebec do care about your livelihoods. We understand that getting you to forego what seems like a pot of gold right there in front of you seems like an unacceptable sacrifice. But we are together on the front line of the climate crisis. How we handle this challenge is exactly how Canada will succeed or fail in doing its part. Quebec and the rest of the country now need to invest massively in Alberta and Saskatchewan. We want you to remain energy champions We want you to lead the way in the transition to a fossil fuel-free economy. At iPolitics, Graham Thompson asks if Jason Kenney has torched any hopes of returning to federal politics. Thompson writes, When the Alberta Premier delivered his fiery Fair Deal speech last weekend, he was not only burning bridges with Ottawa, but torching any lingering ambitions he may have had to become federal Conservative leader. On paper, Kenny would make an ideal candidate, but this is Kenny as Captain Alberta. He has wrapped himself in the provincial flag, and it's difficult to imagine how he can ever untangle himself to run one day as Captain Canada. At cbc.ca, Jordan Stanger-Ross and Oliver Schmidtke argue the People's Party of Canada's election result shouldn't be underestimated. They write, Progressive Canadians dismiss the PPC at our peril. Maxime Bernier managed to find candidates for 94% of Canada's federal ridings, and they received almost 300,000 votes in their inaugural run, a foundation on which it might well build. The mashup of anti-globalism, hostility to immigrants, and cultural nationalism draws from an international populist right that in most cases was not taken seriously at first. And at globalnews.ca, Bill Kelly argues the federal election underscores the need to revamp the leaders' debates. Kelly writes, Instead of having all of the leaders on one stage talking over each other, we need one debate with the main contenders and another with the second-tier leaders. Polling throughout the campaign indicated it was a two-horse race between the Liberals and the Conservatives. So why not a head-to-head debate between the two frontrunners to help voters decide? It's not the ideal solution to electoral reform, but it might be a good first step. Now, let's look at what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will meet with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh today in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, November 14th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.